yeah. Here we go. What? <laughs> Hour two of the game. Oh, you were gonna I thought you were gonna go. The game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G. Travion Berklin on the phone right as we speak to get Curry Sexton on the line. Uh, shout out to K-State Baseball releasing their schedule for the 2023 season today. Their first eight games will take place in the Lone Star State. Four-game series at Stephen F. Austin, a one-off with Lamar. Then at the is it the Carbock Round Rock Classic? I don't, I don't know. Right. But it's in Round Rock. They'll play LSU, Sam Houston, and Iowa. And then the home opener for baseball will be February 28th. I'm sorry, that's on the road. Excuse me, the home opener, that's at Omaha. Home opener March 3rd against Army. Toit Family Stadium, that's a Friday. Let's see, what else can I tell you? Uh, the non-con will feature Army, Stonehill, like I mentioned, Omaha. Uh, let's see, Youngstown State for a three-game series. Creighton, St. Thomas, Air Force, that's a two-off, two-game series at Air Force. I'd actually... If anybody at K-State's listening, I would love to actually go on that road trip and call those games because I've never been to Colorado, and I have some friends that live in Colorado Springs. Whoa! So... Get Mitch to Colorado. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, Okay, but you will be severely disappointed with the field and the... Oh, I, I looked it up earlier today. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty frigging basic. I mean, the surroundings is pretty it, sweet. Yes. Okay. Yes. Once, you, once you're talking the foothills and yes, but the stadium itself lacks. Right. I, the press box looks like it's a box on stilts. It is. Yes. Correct. Been there, called that. Yeah. You know, a, sh- uh, a shout, uh, uh, what about throwback to your early days, right? I've called some games in some weird places when it was <laughs> soccer. Who else is on? Uh, we got Nebraska, uh, Creighton again, Wichita State, of course. A three-game road trip at UC Irvine. Uh, then UC Riverside, yeah. SEMO, uh, Wichita State again, yeah. Nice. So uh, get your tickets. Go get those season tickets for 2023 K-State <laughs> Batcats. All right, we ready to go. All right, Travion is giving me the thumbs up. Hey, here, guess what? Second hour of the show, we got not one but two guys we're going to hear from that happened to win a Big 12 championship in 2012. But, of course, it's Thursday. That means Curry Sexton, former K-State wide receiver. He joins us on the show. Curry, we've been asking guests this week, what is your least favorite Halloween candy? Like, what is that one thing when you are trick-or-treating you do not want landing in that bucket? Yeah, almond joy for me. I, I that was the one thing that if I got home and had almond joy, they were they were either going to my dad or straight in the trash. <laughs> yep, same here. Things like that. Yeah, my dad would be like, "Oh, you don't want those? Give them here. I'll eat them." Every time, every year, <laughs> it was a like clockwork. I'm glad they didn't get wasted, but yeah, that was when people handed those out. It was almost it almost felt like a slap in the face. Now, what was that one candy you ate all of it in in one sitting? Man, that's a good question. I, I'm a I have a major sweet tooth, so it's hard to say. Um, and that's a tough question. I would say that that Twix is something mm-hmm. for me that those are those are hard to just put down. Um, you know, I, I love Snickers, I love Reese's, I you know, I love Hundred Grands, Three Musketeers, Milky Ways, all that stuff. <laughs> but, um, but but the 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 Twix, the, those things are addicting. Not going to lie, I'm, I'm with you with Twix. My parents, I went up to their house during the bye week and uh, had like a platter of candy, 
and I was just picking out all the Twix. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't put them down. It's, it's like the mini Twix. Yeah, I was, I was all about it. All right, Curry, let's talk uh, some K-State football here. Uh, I, I, I guess to start, I mean, there was a lot that happened um, where K-State was up 28-10. They blow the lead, and injuries, injuries, injuries. It just kept adding up. Things weren't going right in the second half. But I want to actually start with Will Howard, who came in starting with the second possession offensively, four straight touchdowns, your impressions of his performance. Did he exceed those expectations? Yeah, I mean, I thought Will did a tremendous job. Um, I've always been, I've always, you know, based on what I've what I've heard and, and, and observed, I've always, you know, thought very highly of Will Howard. I, I know that he's had some ups and downs in his first few years, but he's never exactly been inserted into the scene um, in a t- in typical or a desirable fashion, he's almost always put, thrown in there um, in, in opportune times, um, and so I don't know that we've ever really been able to see the will or Will Howard um, that, that the coaches envisioned um, as far as you know receiving the, the the appropriate amount of develop and being inserted when the time was right. Um, but I think despite some of those early ups and downs in the first couple seasons of his career, he seems to be progressing. And, and when he came in, when he came in Saturday night, um, it was like the offense didn't skip a beat. And he, you know, he made some big plays. He made some big throws down the field. Um, and that was really refreshing to see. Speaking with Curry, Curry Sexton. So as somebody who obviously didn't play college football, but is a huge fan of the Cats. I, I'm pretty level-headed. Like I don't go into meltdown mode when things are going wrong. Um, but I, I, I will admit, when I was hearing about just all the injuries piling up, and not just that, the Cats bowling a lead and they lose by 10, kind of felt like the season was starting to turn up, upside down. You, that it's a former player, how do you react when th- since you've been through the grind of maybe sometimes things are going right, and you've also been on the you know, maybe sometimes receiving in of a little bit, not just you, but like the team receiving in of criticism, how do you handle those kind of situations as a fan now? That's it, 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 real. Oh, right now, um, as a fan, it, it, it's hard. I think you handle it harder as a fan than you do as a player. As a player, you, you, you more understand sort of the business approach. You understand that, you know, when X guy goes down, the next guy has to step up. I can remember I got hurt at TCU in, in 2012. Like third play of the game, I catch a slant route, fall on my shoulder, no contact, break my collarbone, boom, done. And I walk off the sideline, and I, and I had broken my other collarbone a year prior, and so I knew this one was broken very clearly. And I walked over, told the trainers and, and Coach Smith, who was my position coach at the time, that it was broken. Coach Smith let out a loud expletive, and then he just turns to the next guy, next guy and says, all right, you got to go. Um, and not that I was a, a key guy like a lot of the guys that got hurt last week um, back in 2012, but, but it, when you're on the team, you just expect, you expect that next guy to step right in and do his job. Um, and so it's not as dramatic. You, you, you know more so um, about the, the capabilities of the entire roster than, than the general fan base might. So when you see, when you see Adrian um, when you see Adrian go down, you, you know, those guys probably understand that, you know, Will is ready for this. And so there's probably not a lot of panic within the football team. Um, but when you're on, you know, when you're watching on TV and that's all the broadcast is talking about, and obviously that's a significant moment, you know, there's reason for panic. And, 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 you know, I, I joked with a couple of my buddies on, on Saturday night, guys who have guys who played at K-State, um, 
I, I just kept, I was like, guys, every time I refresh Twitter, the, the, the first tweet is, is X, so-and-so went to the, went to the locker room and, and they were like, dude, stop checking Twitter and maybe they'll stop going to the locker room. But that's exactly how dramatic it was. Is it just felt like we were legitimately out there dropping like flies. Um, and I, and, and I think that, you know, when it's more dramatic as a fan than it would be as a player for sure. And shout out to Derek Young for all those bummer tweets uh, back on Saturday. Uh, it is what it is, though. I mean, it kept adding up and adding up. But you mentioned 2012. It, was it kind of similar during that 2012 game of guys just kind of seems like left and right dropping like flies? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually had put out a tweet to that effect. Um, that was that was a that was a night that that I think kind of was the precursor to the to the outcome at at, at Baylor. You know, you go down there, and, and Colin Klein had suffered a concussion the week before against Oklahoma State, so he's banged up, and and like he always did, took some more shots against TCU because they were a tough physical football team. Our starting right guard, Nick Pitts, broke his foot in warm-ups. Tyler Lockett suffered a high ankle sprain, was barely able to play the next week. Um, or was it, He played, but not at full speed. Ty Zimmerman broke his ankle against TCU, wasn't wasn't able to play the rest of the season. Maybe he played in the bowl game, but that, that meant that we had to start a, a true freshman um, in Dante Barnett the next week. First meaningful snaps he'd receive would be in the biggest game of the year. Um, I, I broke a collarbone. I believe Meshach Williams heard something. There were, there were just a number of injuries that made it so that when we went to Baylor, we were, you know, we weren't at the, you know, the full strength we needed to be, especially considering some of the depth issues that we had. And ultimately, I think that that played a big role in the outcome of that football game. So, yeah, very, very similar. I, my, my hope is just that unlike in 2012, that some of the, you know, most of those injuries aren't season ending types um, and, and, and that those guys will get back on the field as quickly as possible. Man, I, I forgot about that. Just how many injuries added up 10 years ago. Uh, with that TCU game that added to a lot of guys, yeah, not playing against Baylor and what you're right, man. That talk about a game that just did not go right for everybody and uh, turned the uh, season in a different direction, and certainly with the national championship implications. Uh, but we're speaking with Curry Sexton here on the game. So I, I don't know if you heard, but it was uh, you know around two o'clock because I know you'd been dealing with court stuff, so you've been super busy. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, just in case you haven't heard, Colin Klein told us quarterback Adrian Martinez game time decision. But Deuce is fine. Ben Sinnott's going to play. Uh, Julius Brintz and Josh Hayes are expected to play. Daniel Green is also game-time decision. After I tell you all that, how are you feeling about the chances against Oklahoma State Saturday? Yeah, I actually did see those tweets, and, and I think that's mostly good news. I mean, based on the, some of the images we saw of Daniel Green on, on Saturday night um, with, with some you know a big wrap and ice of some sort around his, around his midsection, um, I guess I should say I, I, I'm surprised that he's even questionable. I thought he would for sure be out, so I think I'd be surprised to see him on the field Saturday night, which, of course, is a massive loss because that's a position where we're lacking in depth, maybe more so than others. But beyond that, I'm I'm, I'm pretty optimistic based on the injury report that we injury report we've received. Guys like I mean, it's good to hear that Deuce is maybe more healthy than he has been because I think there have been times where he looks visibly, you know, not himself. Um, and then, you know, Ben Sennett is such a key to our offense. I mean, that guy kind of does it all from, you know, from serving as an H-back, fullback, tight end type to even a, a you know, slot receiver. Um, and he's shown to be very capable of doing a lot of good things. So huge to have him, him in there. 
Um, and then obviously Josh Hayes and Julius Brents are two of our best and most important defensive players. And so it would be awesome to have them up to speed because again, you know, I, I don't know how much true depth we have in the secondary positions, especially at corner. I think we have a couple of true freshmen who are maybe, who are maybe on the two deep there. Um, and so, yeah, you want those guys out there. You need those guys out there, especially when you're talking about an offense like, uh, like Oklahoma State. I think the last time we saw Omar Daniels on the field in significant time, you know, maybe a little bit against TCU, but uh, did get beat a few times. Uh, Mims uh, burned him in the Oklahoma game. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I, hearing Julius Brents, Josh Hayes playing, especially with Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders is, is 3-0 and against K-State, and he is the, the leading uh, passer in the Big 12 now. So, it, it, you, you feel a lot better now that those guys are going to be playing from what it sounds like from Colin Klein and Joe Klanerman earlier today. Uh, to, to wrap up, Curry, I suppose I wanted to ask you just uh, your fondest memories of playing against Oklahoma State in your time, because I know in 2014 Tyreek Hill uh, played here in Manhattan and, and did pretty well, but that was also a huge win for K-State back in 2014. But what stands out to you about that series when you played? Yeah, that was always a fun series. Um, you know, I think Oklahoma State, I tell people that stadium was probably my favorite, my favorite roads, you know, opponent stadium in the Big 12. Uh, I thought their fans were just great. I mean, they, they resemble K-State in a lot of ways, and I just thought their fans were awesome, and the, the energy in that stadium was, was incredible. You know, 2011 was probably the most, you know, one of the most electric games I played in. That was the year where you know, it was it was Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman and Joseph Randall versus Colin Klein and and, and company and and fifty. I think the final score was fifty two to forty five, and we were stopped at the end of the game on the two yard line um, with a chance to win. And and I think we were yeah, I think we were going to go for two. So with a chance to win late, that was that was an incredible football game. Um, and then you know, I I think twenty thirteen down there was also a really really great football game, but but we had so many injuries that that game that it just was didn't have the same you know not as memorable. But yeah, twenty fourteen was fun. I think I remember Tyreek Hill you know catching a touchdown pass on the first first series, and we're thinking, uh oh, here we go. Um, obviously, they had a you know they, they having him was was sort of like having an X factor, but I don't think they utilized him properly, so he was he, he didn't have a massive impact on the game after that. And then from then on, we kind of just, you know, we, we stuck it to them. Um, fun night game. We threw for a ton of yards. Um, I think I had a touchdown. I had one touchdown and another one that should have been a touchdown, but the ref kind of, he, uh, he, he, he did one over on me, but just a really fun night. That 2014 game was fun. You're right. Tyree Kill scored early, and I think the only other score Oklahoma State had that day was Jake Waters is done. I mean, it's already a blowout, and Joe Hubner comes in and throws a pick six. I think, if I remember that correctly. I, I remember that. I remember that. So yeah, great night. And I mean, I just, I just, the games against Oklahoma State are fun. You always know that a Mike Gundy football team is going to be a good football team. They're going to have a lot of talent. Um, they're going to be disciplined, and and they're going to fight you. Uh, I think this is, you know, this is a guy who's probably one of the more underrated football coaches in the country, and has. has has kept Oklahoma State relevant pretty much every year for the past decade. And so, um, you know, in order to beat a team like that, you have to play very, very well. And and, and obviously after last week's loss and the, and the next couple of games being really tough ones, this is a very important football game, and I hope our guys are, are, are healthy and prepared to uh, to put their best effort out there. It is homecoming. Are you coming home for this one? 
Yep, we'll be back. We'll be back. Awesome. All right, Curry, we'll greatly appreciate your time. Safe travels to Manhattan for the game, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Take care. Corey Sexton, former K-State wide receiver here on the game. When we come back, we're going to hear some comments from Colin Klein about injury updates, a lot on Will Howard. Also talk a little bit about Oklahoma State after the break. Saturday at Bill Center Family Stadium. Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Oh, boy. These two getting back together. 69th meeting all time between the two programs. Oklahoma State 6-1, 3-1 in Big 12 play, number 9 in the country. K-State 5-2 with a 3-1 record in conference play, number 22 in the country. I would imagine TCU will beat West Virginia Saturday, so a very good chance this is sole possession for second place on the line in the conference if uh, for either team. The winner will be second place at least in the Big 12 by themselves. Well, we're hoping K-State going to be as healthy as possible for this one. Another big question is, will Adrian Martinez play? We don't know yet, but uh, Colin Klein spoke to the media earlier today and uh, gave us a short status update on just the quarterback situation. Adrian Martinez didn't say a whole lot, but here is Colin Klein earlier today with the media. Obviously, it'll be a it'll be a game time decision, um, and still still taking it one day at a time. Do you find yourself calling the game any differently when Will Howard is a quarterback compared to Adrian Martinez? Uh, I would say a little bit. Obviously, uh, you know there there is some uh, different. Styles and their, you know, in, in their running ability, you know, I, I kind of uh, know and and have gotten to know more of what uh, some of the calls and situations that Adrian really likes versus uh, a lot of them are the same. But then there's, you know, there's some differences in certain pass concepts that you know Will Will feels comfortable this this different. So uh, you know, just trying to visualize and okay, if I'm them and as we've worked through the week and how to prepare things of you know what best suit, suited to them in that situation and let, let them do their thing. Did TCU do anything different after this first four Will Howard possessions? Is it just shut off after that? No, no. I think you know it. It, it came down to a you know a couple key plays on on those two possessions really, and you know weren't able to uh, convert and, and stay on the field. Schematically, no. It was it was not anything that was uh, you know that was different than what we were expecting in those situations. You know we just weren't able to get it done. Where is uh, Will Howard made the biggest leap from year two to now year three? think just you know it's uh, there's nothing like uh, when you've been in that fire and, and you've been in those battles and, and you've been in those heated moments of games in contention games on the line having to make those judgment call decisions with confidence with full speed uh, you know and, and obviously having been through that through the first two years having worked uh, as hard as he has and prepared as well as he has to uh, again improve his craft and build true confidence being able to watch him build on that and go out and perform like he did was I, I was so proud of him. Do you have an update on Ben Sennett and if he can't go then um, how does that kind of change the dynamic of that position? Yeah no I think again it's still still day to day you know I, I think it's uh, probable but we'll you know we'll kind of have to see on after today's practice will tell us a lot on uh, a lot of these guys. So he's not ever been a full-time starter if you were to go, Will, this would be Will Howard's third game against Oklahoma State ironically. Yeah. Does that familiarity kind of help at all? Um, you know, it's, uh, 
This year's a little different. You know, they've had a lot of uh, experienced guys the last few years that have moved on, so they're a little bit different personnel-wise. Obviously, a new D coordinator, so they're, uh, yes, there's similarities, but there's more differences this year than there would have been from, like, 20 to 21, if that makes sense. You've seen numbers on Oklahoma State's defense on third down. Yep. How, how, how daunting is that? You know, it, it, it's exciting. You know, and, and honestly, that's, uh, I mean, it's been a point of emphasis for the, you know, for us, you know, the last few weeks because we have struggled in that area and, and to, to be able to stay on the field and, uh, you know, what a great challenge, you know, and, and that's how our guys are looking at it. And, and uh, yeah, they're really good on defense. They've got, uh, they play extremely physical. They're aggressive. They tackle well, uh, you know, but uh, shoot, everybody in our league is, you know, is, is good defensively and a great chance for our guys to step up and, and uh um, you know, I, I and we need to put a good plan together and make sure they're in good position. Last couple games, um, where's he at physically, and what do you guys need from him heading into this week? I mean, shoot, we, we, we just need him to be himself. You know, I mean, he he is a he's an absolute warrior. You know, I think uh, um, you know would say his progress is better this week than it was last week. But I mean, he you know he played really well last week too. So he just needs to be. It needs to be Deuce. As a guy who's played hurt a quarterback before, does that make you think at all now when you're calling plays for your quarterbacks? If, if they are injured and dealing with stuff, do you call less <clears throat> runs? Do you call more passes? Does that enter your mind at all? You know, it's it's one of those things that I think from a player standpoint, you get into that battle mindset, right, that you just you start going and, and you don't really think about it until it's something that gets to the point where it holds you back and then it's, you know, debilitating. You know, from a coach's standpoint, yeah, you try to manage it, but then you get in the flow too, you know, and it's kind of you got to just feel how he's doing. And, I mean, I'll never forget, I mean, I remember before – Texas A&M my junior year and Dana said yeah you know we'll we'll manage it you know and was dinged up and whatever and 35 carries later I was like whoa <laughs> you know so but but we won you know and it was obviously four overtimes and you know so it's it's one of those things that everybody's just scratching and clawing trying to do the best they can and obviously we'll take care of them and and uh, do what we can. Despite where the game ended for the amount of success that Will Howard had in that first half is there a lot of confidence that can kind of be taken from that for, for him and, and you as a play caller moving in to next game? No, I, I think absolutely. I think and, and that's for this whole season. You know, I mean, you never uh, – losing stinks. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's painful. It's, it doesn't matter, you know, who plays good, who doesn't play good because it's about just finding a way to get over the hump to just get it done. But, you know, I think in, in what our focus, my focus, our players' focus, and from Coach Kleiman, we, we've got to be thinking, hey, it's about getting better. It's about competing better. It's about eliminating some mistakes, being better fundamentally, uh, all of those things. And you do that, and, and th there's times like that that can be, uh, you can make progress in those areas even in a loss. Uh, you have to be focused on those things because then, you know, then you'll find those inches in those key games. So, absolutely, I, I think we're, there were some strides made in some areas. Obviously, it well, wasn't enough to get it done. Once again, that's Colin Klein, offensive coordinator for K-State. A lot of topics were covered there, but, uh, I mean, clearly main three quarterback. Will Adrian be good to go? Game time decision. Will Howard? Yeah, some adjustments will need to be made, but... He will be able to go if Adrian Martinez is not. And to me, that's key. And I'm feeling a lot better about Will Howard after what I saw in the TCU game. Um, gave me confidence in him. And also 
what we did hear, of course, was Joe Klarenman. Uh, he did speak to the media as well, and he and he told us that Julius Prince, Josh Hayes, should be good to go. They're practicing now this week, and they are expected to play, but Daniel Green is a game-time decision. He and also Adrian Martinez, I, yes, it was both said game-time decision. I mean, is are there really, like, injury, like, if guys are hurt, are there really game-time decisions made and if they're going to play or not? I don't think it happens a whole lot, uh, but with these two, just the the way they were seen on the sidelines, Daniel Green was wrapped up with ice around his waist. He was in a lot of pain. And Adrian Martinez having to be pulled after the first series with what looked like to be a leg injury. I'm not feeling great about those two playing. The rest sounds like they will. Duzvan is feeling a lot better. That has settled my heart. I don't no longer feel like the season is being turned upside down. <laughs> Plus, to echo what was said on Tuesday, nothing is season ending. Everybody's going to come back at some point. Just so happens, you might be losing two of your best leaders for this game. And how pivotal it is, it's huge. My second worry is the kicking situation. And I touched on that yesterday. But what is the lease leash for Chris Tennant. Do you give him a chance to kick one, try to redeem himself, or do you just go tight center? Do you bench him right away, send a message, and uh, you know, hope you get that Jack Cantelli reaction of later down the road he responds for you. But in a game like this, you can't afford many mistakes. You can't afford many drives where you should score and you don't score. Powercat game day coming up at 10.30 on Saturday morning. Certainly a lot more of a breakdown between K-State and Oklahoma State coming from Derek Young, Cole Manbeck, and myself. Of course, that is going to start four hours before kickoff. We will uh, we'll give you some more uh, some nuggets about this one. I've said it many times that I feel like this is a team that K-State should be able to throw against. I mean, statistically, they're the worst defense. I'm talking Oklahoma State, worst defense in the Big 12 in stopping the pass. Um, it seems like Will Howard for a little while there was kind of hard to stop when he was throwing the football. Yeah. And uh, he was delivering the ball to multiple guys. All right, when we come back, number one song of the day, one of the best songs of all time, according to Rolling Stone. Next. From 1969, Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone. Four weeks at number one. They're from San Francisco. And right now, Travion is going to tell us every member of Sly and Family Stone. Go ahead. <laughs> well, there's Sly, Vester Stone, and then I don't know. Well, there's Freddie. 
Their sister was in the group. In her name's Rose. Hmm. And then they had a bunch of other people. I mean, Sly and the Family Stone was like that first musical group that was racially integrated, male and female. And they were so pivotal in funk, soul, psychedelic music. For a while there, they kind of did it all. 1975, the, the, the band ran into some drug problems. They started to really change the formation of the band, who was in, who was not. And then Sly actually had to retire in 87 because his drug problems forced him to retire. Uh, and since then, Sly and Family Stone have not toured under that name. Nobody's toured under that name since 87. So... This do you do you have a commercial like at all like connected to this song? A commercial? I mean, there's a few. I didn't include them in my list of facts here today. Yeah, but I know it's been in a bunch. Oh, Toyota, Toyota commercial. They had like a whole whatever they do, you know, ad campaign on with this song, and it was just like all, selling cars to everyday people. And I just cannot get my mind off of those commercials like somebody like shutting a car door and then looking out the window and being like <laughs> everyday people and then boom on to the next it's weird it's weird they were inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame in 93 in 2010 they are ranked 43rd on rolling stones 100 greatest artists of all time yeah. 10 studio albums 10 top 40 hits this is their first of three number ones and it's from that fourth album stand travion how do you feel about their album stand were you a fan it's a pretty good album. The song Stand is a really good song. The Jackson 5 covered it on their first album. And I got another fun fact. Okay. In the 80s, when they did retire, Michael Jackson bought their entire publishing discography. Man, he did that on everybody, didn't he? He was like, oh, they're up for sale? Got them. Who, yeah. who else did he own? He owned the Beatles' entire I did know publishing. That. Right. Um, there's a bunch of weird ones. All of ATV Music Publishing, which eventually was absorbed by Sony, he owned the entire thing for like $50 million or something crazy like that. Wow. Jeez. There's one point where he owned literally half of Sony Music Publishing, so anything Beyonce was putting out, Eminem, he got half of. Wow. (laughs) Man, who knew the guy that dangled a child from a balcony (laughs) in Germany would would own so much music? Blanket. No, it wasn't blanket. It wasn't blanket. So I that was one of the questions I asked when I hosted trivia a couple weeks ah. ago. Because I, I did a category 2002. People were like, why are you doing that category? It was 20 years ago, ding-dongs. Ding-dong. Jeez. And so I, I put that, uh, like a gif of that moment. I'm like, what was the kid's name? And everybody, everybody raced up to the front with their slips of paper that said blanket. I was like, suckers, it wasn't blanket. He wasn't born yet. It was Prince Michael. Wow. Wow. I, I have to refute that. I don't think that's true. Look it up. I don't think that's true because Prince was like, he was born in 98 or in 97, I believe. And he would have been like almost five when that happened. And it was a little baby. And they show in the Martin Bashir 2003 documentary. That was like right around when Blanket was born. All right. So I do believe that what is What baby who, did Michael... Oh boy, Jackson! Some trivia people are gonna be super duper heated if this comes. If this is true, it's not a giant deal, but <laughs> blanket. What a name! Well, that... he ch- well is 
His original name was Prince Michael II, and then he changed it. Now it's B.G. Jackson. Yeah. So, okay, so maybe Blanket was born, but it wasn't Blanket. It was, I looked it up, it was Prince Michael. I don't think that's true. I, th- I don't believe that's true. Because in the Martin Bashir interview, it sh- shows um, that's right around. Well, this is according to MTV. It's not true. It's not true. Because Prince was way too old at that point. Mm, Prince was born in 2002. No, Prince was born in 1997 or 98. You're wrong. No, I, I'm oh not, boy. dude. I'm not. You're wrong. Whoa, no. boy. Prince is the oldest, and he was born in like 97, and then Paris was born in like 98, and then BG was born in like 2002. Blank, but Blanket and Prince are two different kids. Yes, they are. Yes. Okay, we're, we're figuring this out. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fact-checking um, Listen. Travion right now. Who listen? We got one guy's name's Blanket, and uh-huh. that's like that sucks because it'd be like if you're if you're there like I love you so much, son. I love you, pillowcase. You know. But like <laughs> I said, Prince awful. was his original name, Prince Michael the Second. There's Prince Michael the First, and then there's Prince Michael the Second. Yeah, the second was the one that was born in 2002. That was the one that was dangled. But now his name is B.G. Jackson. Yeah, but it would still stink to also have the same name as your older brother. Yes. Like which I, Michael which Jackson, is why I for it. all the things that he did wonderfully, he was a horrible namer of people. <laughs> he just stunk at it, really. Just, hey, what's your kid's name? Um, oh, this one is Desk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy is Prince, and uh, this guy's Prince the Second. So, uh, you, you want to... You want a babysit for me? No. <laughs> Never. Whoa. Your kids are weird. This guy's name is... <laughs> it's like George Foreman, though. George Foreman named all of his kids George, so... Right. I guess it's not that bad. Dude, uh, Mitch, what are you hmm. going to do to pay back all the trivia people? I don't know. Apparently, I'm wrong. I don't oh know. Oh, my anyway, God. Uh, where am I at on this song? We need... We're, we're behind uh, here. Uh, let's see. Sly Stone wrote Everyday People. Play it again. It's a short song. It's not long enough. About how everyone is essentially the same, regardless of race or background. This song takes some inspiration from Mother Goose, adding a twist to the nursery rhyme. You know, rub-a-dub-dub. You have the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Anyway, it was the butcher, the baker, the drummer, and the spirit of the song's message of solidarity among all the people. Billy Preston played organ on this. Wow. He recorded music with so many folks. A lot of big, big time bands. Yeah. Because not to mention the Beatles and Rolling Stones. Jeez. He was was best boys with the Beatles. BFFs. Which which is like, that's got to be some like, man, I'm pretty cool. The Beatles think I'm cool. That's validation, man, for sure. So I think Travion was right. Maybe at trivia I got it wrong. Because when I Googled it, as my, I, I stole it from MTV, I think, when I put the question together. And it didn't say Blanket. It said something about Blanket not being born yet, and it was Prince Michael. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. Here's hmm. the deal. Oh, well. When you name your kids the same thing, two of them, uh, you're going to have situations like yeah. this. Pop-up. It's a bit confusing when it's you have two kids confusing. named Prince Michael. And I'm still confused. Prince Michael II is Blanket. Yes, but, and now his name has changed to B.G. Jackson. No, but his name's Blanket. I mean, your yes, daddy called you Blanket. Blanket. Yeah. I'm going to call you Blanket. <laughs> okay, you Blanket. 
I'm sorry. Joan Jett uh, covered this, and she actually performed it at Kauffman Stadium. I was yep. there to see it. It was great. Uh, she went 37 on the charts, though, with her cover of Everyday People. She usually pays it at every show. Sly and the Family Stone included Everyday People on their set for Woodstock 69. It was their fourth song on the playlist out of the 10. Carlos Santana's Till to This Day says it's one of his favorite performances at Woodstock. Huh. Rolling Stone ranked Everyday People on their list of top 500 songs of all time. I said it was listed as one of the greatest. It's it's up there. I mean, if it's in the top 500, it's got to be considered one of the greatest, right? Yeah. Uh, you guys want to take a guess of where it's at? 59. I'll go 136. Uh, DG was closest with 109. Whoa! 109, list of greatest songs of all time. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. It's got to be up there. All right, quick break. When we come back, ask us anything next. Thirteen fifty KMAN. It's the game. Late night. Uh, ask us anything. Um, how about this, boys? Go ahead. What is a horror movie, bad guy, sp- creepy spirit, um, creature, whatever that you always thought was lame as hell? Just like for me, it was Leprechaun. I just kicked yeah. the Leprechaun right in the. I'm the leprechaun. Yeah. No, dude, cool it, man. Don't try to steal me, pot of gold. Oh, God, I love that scene. Someone explain to me, honestly, how nobody can outrun Michael Myers. Dude, he just He teleports. Mm -hmm. He can't get away. (laughs) I would have to go with, I'm the leprechaun. (laughs) No, man, no, no. Oh, I love that scene. That's my fave. Oh, Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Great sequel. Great sequel. Yeah. Chucky is mine. I love the character. I mean, just a wild animal. The dialogue is insane, but an actual killer. Like, if you're killed by Chucky, you're pathetic. I know. I know. Come on. Just punt that guy. You know, and uh, like I said, I, now, I'm not so scared of Chucky, but all dolls. I kind of look at it and I'm like, God, you're going to come to life or something. T-Dog? In Jason Part 9, when oh boy. Jason goes to hell, when he's a little... Part 9. He's like a worm Unreal. man that goes into different bodies, oh, he, yeah. and it's not Jason. It's like he's in other people. Yeah. Lame. You ever played the Friday the 13th video game? I have. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's awesome. I just haven't played it in years. Have you played that game where you're a, you're the killer and everybody else is like trying to get away from you? And uh, you play it online. Yeah, Among Us. Yeah, not Among Us. That, that I love like, Among Us. I play Among Us every day. But you're like Jason, and you're like and you're on Camp Crystal Lake. And yeah, the, yeah. Oh, the one that just came out recently. Yes. Oh, okay. Dude, and you're like run, You're like hiding from them and stuff. But then Jason will find you. And it's, oh my God, it's awesome. It's a lot better than that old Friday the Thirteenth all video game. Oh, the, quor- the quarry. The quarry. Yeah, okay. I I haven't played it, but you like it. I thought it was. Awesome. Hey, what does your mom or dad still buy you? Lunch. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, meals when we go out. <laughs> tried to sneak that one past, and it's rough to do. When, yeah. when my grandparents were still alive, uh, we would head out to the old Chinese buffet a oh, lot. Oh, yeah. And baby. I didn't mind them covering the bill. <laughs> my mom still buys me ugly shirts. Shout out to mom. Trey, Trey's only two, so his parents probably buy him everything. Mostly like food and occasionally gas. Ooh. But I do live by myself and 
Oh, well, look at you, Mr. Man. Your parents, you they buy you gas, you work at a gas station. Come know, on. The irony. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really dumb thing to say. Um, hey, real quick, um, what's your opinion on ghosting someone? I think we've all done it. Have you done it? I've done it. Yeah, unfortunately, I've done it. It doesn't have to be like somebody we're thinking about dating or anything. I mean, people get ghosted for many reasons. I, I mean, I'm talking like ghosting. Hey, can you uh, work for me this Saturday? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get your text. Whoops. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the real ghost. Oh, yeah. We've all been ghosted and we've I, all I've ghosted gotten, somebody. Man, I got ghosted so hard a few years ago. I broke my heart, but then I found the love of my life. So who cares? Thanks a lot, Crystal. Shout out to Crystal. <laughs> Suck it! Trigon. <laughs> Trigon, who's the last person that ghosted you? Do you remember? I... I don't know. Trey don't get ghosted. You on the, any of the dating apps? I don't use dating apps, no. I just use social media and hit up girls that way. Ooh-wee. Interesting. Nice. Very 2007 of you. <laughs> All right, that's the game. Powercat Game Day coming up at 10.30 on Saturday. Got a best of tomorrow because Troy and I, we got football to call tomorrow. Go Cats!